Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. If you want plug and play email templates from the eight part cold email sequence that generated a 2,061% ROI, visit morgandwilliams.com slash templates. That's M-O-R-G-A-N-D as in David, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S dot com slash templates. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. And on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mark Akers. Mark is a sales coach consultant at Refract, a company that uses AI to help sales teams have better conversations and determine what separates top performers from the rest. Mark spends time with his clients sharing ideas and best practices with regards to sales coaching and how to best use their platform for maximum value and results. He also operates in a business development role where he speaks with successful sales leaders and trainers who are looking to adopt their technology. Their AI determines what creates successful outcomes for you and delivers personalized, coachable insights for every rep. No longer do you need to ride along on a call. Sales managers can save time by revealing key coachable insights and moments and focus time sharing ideas and feedback that impact Results. Reduce ramp time for new hires with improved coaching and personalized feedback. Refract empowers reps to learn from their peers, explore a best practice playbook, and track their progress all in one place. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm pleased to be on the show and uh, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So, can you kind of walk us through your background, you know, how it's led to what you're doing now at Refract? Yeah, absolutely. I started my career in marketing, actually. Something I was always passionate about growing up, and I studied it at university. It's funny, when I left university, I got offered a lot of lot of sales roles, um, sort of entry-level telesales roles, which I think now would be considered SDR roles. But I didn't want to turn my back straight away onto marketing. You know, it was a degree that I worked for four years. But within about a year and a half of working in marketing and working really closely with the sales team, I felt like I was missing something and and I felt like I could be doing the job that they were doing. So I moved over and it's fair to say I started in what you consider an an SDR role. And it was with a tech startup company. And and that really is where I've always been in the startup industry with technology companies. I've worked for some small companies and I've worked for some mid-sized, but still had that startup feel. Um, But yeah, I did a couple of years as an SDR uh, and then moved into a closing role. 
And I've been doing that for about six and a half years now, very much in technology and SaaS, and I absolutely love it. Awesome. What are some things you kind of learned as an SDR as you were getting started and, and developed your career? So one of the things that I think really helped me in my career before being an SDR was I had a job, a football club. Uh, it was it's in the UK, it was, a, it was a Premier League football club. So that means, you know, one of, one of the top teams in England. Uh, and I was really lucky in the role that I had that I would communicate with different people. So there'd be times where I was communicating with fans. So the supporters of the club and the team, I'd be communicating with my colleagues. I'd be communicating with sponsors, um, people at, at the board level, uh, and even like the, the football players themselves. So I learned to communicate with people in different ways. And I think that really helped me in sales and in the SDR in the early early days, I found that really helped me because I would be speaking with people that would be earning four, five, maybe even 10 times my salary. And I was communicating with them so that was really helpful um i also just learned the power of persistence not to take mm, yeah. personally and to just keep going uh, because at the end of the day you controlled your own success and, and, and what i loved about being an sdr was the immediate rewards you know if you had a mm. good it was on the board a couple of meetings were up on the board you could go home then you're done well uh, and, and i sort of thrived off that yeah i, I like those things you mentioned with communication, I think that, you know, communicating both internally and externally in business, especially in sales is critical. And now let's say on, you know, on the external side, when communicating with, with customers, we're seeing that there's a diversification of, you know, communication channels that SDRs and AEs and just people in sales need to become uh, competent at, right? Speaking, of course, the written word, whether that's the emails or, or what have you, or video, as we're seeing it, is becoming more and more of a trend now in B2B. So I definitely agree with that. And persistence, too. Yeah, I feel like along with empathy and curiosity, persistence is one of those top three skills that you definitely need to excel in as an SDR because there's going to be that up and down roller coaster. But yeah, those going at chasing those immediate rewards and that kind of quick feedback loop is if you're wired for it, it's a great feeling. It's a great thing to kind of chase. So I definitely agree. Yeah, it's the hardest things to teach. Arguably, you can't yep. teach them as well. The, the ability to communicate, be articulate, show empathy. And I sort of just had to learn. And I think that, as I say, and we both agree, is a fundamental skill. And I mean, there's so many elements to sales that you can be taught and you can craft. And there's some that you, you just, a born with, I suppose, and, and can sort of perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um curious to know kind of as you have progressed in your career and you know have been developing your skill set and have been introduced to new ideas and trends in the field, what are some things that you've seen, whether inside your company or outside of your company that's working for you or other people right now in kind of sales and marketing? Yeah, I think the first thing just to say to that along similar lines is as my career has progressed, I've, I've never stopped being an SDR. Um, I've never stopped booking my own appointments and yep. picking up the phone. And, and I think the second you do that, I, I think the second you start to really jeopardize the success that you can have. So I think that's always been a consistent in my life, trying to make things happen for myself. And someone said to me when I started out my career, as an SDR, that if you can pick up the phone and have a conversation with anybody, you'll always be okay. And yeah. I mean, that advice has always sort of stuck with me. Um, in terms of what else I've seen, I've definitely seen the growth of what is the sales stack. Um, it's mad, really, that to think I've only been in sales for about eight years, 
but the amount of technology that's entered the sales stack, so to speak, since then is crazy. You know, I yeah. I was lucky to have Outlook, LinkedIn, and a phone to begin with, and and now you know you've got equipment that can help in every aspect. Um, I mean, I didn't even massively use a CRM eight years ago, which was probably more on me um, than the company. But, you know, now it's fundamental and plugs in with so many technologies that really help you do more. Absolutely. And I want to ask about that because I'm interested to hear how you and your team, I think everyone... All this technology is excellent, and it's cool to see that now salespeople, sales team companies are able to get more leverage when it comes to getting in front of customers. But since everyone's adopting this technology, everyone's getting this capability and, and refining it. So on the other end, the customers are getting more and more communication, right? So how do you deal with making sure that you're kind of leading the pack. Your salespeople and your sales team are, are getting out in front of the pack, in front of the herd when it comes to getting in front of customers, showing value, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I want to make sure I answer that properly. I think what's fascinating in sales is that so many sales leaders buy technology to help, technology to help you get more leads, technology to help you send more emails, to automate LinkedIn posts to construct better online meetings, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing has never changed in sales and, and never will, and that's the ability to be relevant with a prospect, to be able to communicate with them. And that sort of links back to what I was saying at the start. If a sales rep can't communicate and put their point across, if they can't control a conversation, if they can't show empathy, build a business case and really be relevant and resonate, then you can have all the technology you want. It's not going to help. And it fascinates me when I speak with sales leaders. They fixate themselves on getting more leads. The reality is business is won and lost in your sales conversations. And mm -hmm. in every sales conversation you have, be that a cold call, a discovery call, an online demo, there are hundreds of variables um, some of which you can't control. You can't control the opinion someone may already have of your company. You can't control where they are in the buying cycle, where this sits on their priority list. If they're having a good day, their attitude towards a cold call, as an example. But what you can control is how your message, how you open a conversation, how you ask your questions your active listening skills, how you put your point across, how you handle objections. And to come back to your point of how we make sure at Refract, we stay ahead of the game, is that we acknowledge that conversations you have with your prospects are the most important factor. So we spend a lot of time drinking our own champagne, and, and that's using our technology to review our sales conversations and we do that one-on-one -on -one basis. So I sit with my boss every Friday morning at eight o'clock and he's listened to one or two of my calls and he'll give me feedback. He'll show me what I've done well and why he thinks that was so such a good thing to do in a call, be that handle objection as an example or, or put my point across or add value and ways in which I can improve as well. He would have listened to that call and with the benefit of hindsight, he can identify 
additional questions I could have asked. Um, perhaps I didn't hear something because I wasn't listening hard enough or mm-hmm. perhaps I didn't pick up on a potential nugget. And then we do that as a team as well. So everybody in the sales team gets that one-on-one coaching, but we also sit as a team, we play calls back, um, we debate what we would have done differently. We, again, deliver praise to each other where, where it's worked well. And that aspect of coaching I mean, there's loads of aspects of coaching, you know, deal coaching, CRM, um, looking at the CRM, looking at activity, but really focusing on what we say and do in our sales conversations as a team helps us have better conversations, conversations that help our customers uh, get to where they need to be to realize if this technology is a fit for them or not. And that's how we stay ahead of the crowd. Um, it's not unfair to say a, a lot of people fall into sales and and a lot of people just get by but yeah. the reality is sales is a skill and it, it took me a long time to realize that um i always felt like i didn't have a skill or a talent but the last two or three years i've realized that that sales is my talent and i try to perfect that and i do a lot of things personally but as a team and i'm really lucky that we invest in myself and the team here at refractor make sure we can stay ahead of the crowd so a really long answer, but hopefully no, I, I love it. So it, essentially you are optimizing that human element. There's a million different ways to, you know, send out an automated email, right? There's a bunch of different technology for that. How do you really optimize that human element of sales conversations and improve that piece of it, which is difficult for managers, I imagine, because you know they've got a lot to deal with. You know, they're trying to make sure that their reps get better. They're trying to make sure that they're reporting accurately to their superiors and and hitting sales targets. And I'm sure a lot would love to listen to every call, but it's got to be tough without any support, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting what you say there about managers not having time to coach. And there is a big disconnect in, in coaching. I mean, most managers, as you say, don't listen to calls and, and mm-hmm. don't conversations. 74% of organizations actually say that sales coaching is the number one priority for frontline mm-hmm. managers. And that you'll see that in job specs. You know, it's about training, developing the, the team. But um, the, the disconnect comes in that sales managers claim they spend 5% of their time coaching. And, and what a disconnect it is to say they spend 5% of their time coaching when 74% of organizations say it's their, their number one priority. And then the other challenge here is that sales reps don't feel like they're being coached because coaching is seen differently. Um, it's short-term um, vision sometimes from sales managers. You know, They see coaching as looking at pipeline, looking at activity, looking at the deals. And a rep can just feel like they're getting a hard time and the manager feels like they're coaching them. Um, what they really need is to invest that time into listening to how they sell, giving them examples yeah. of best practice. Um, to take back to, you know, I spoke about football earlier on, but there's a bit of an analogy there as well. Um, you know, football is a results business and most managers acknowledge they should spend time looking at the youth team, helping promote from within. But the reality is they're judged on the next three games and they focus yeah. on the first team. And, and again, that with sales, it, it's so hard to sit down and spend time reviewing calls and coaching because you're always chasing that target, that end of month, end of quarter. Yeah, it's like you don't want to 
bite the bullet, invest for the long term when you're being judged on what's happening right now, usually inside of these 90-day windows of different quarters that we go through. I want to touch on an aspect of that quality of coaching and get your feedback on it because this is the number one thing that really interests me about your technology. So I've always felt that usually what happens, right, is you have a an account executive or someone in sales that may have started out as an SCR, may have come in, out, come in as an AE, but they excel, they sell a lot, and they hit their numbers year after year, and eventually they get promoted to a sales manager, right? Now, when they become a sales manager, they may spend time critiquing people and coaching people, but I've always felt that that sales manager, of course, has a bias like we all do when it comes to sales and whatever else, but that sales manager is seeing every sale through their lens of this is what worked for me. So I'm going to critique this person this way because this worked for me and I know it works. And while that that's true that it does work, it works for them. It may not work for someone who has a different selling style than them, which I think is very important. Like there's definitely fundamentals of sales that we all know and have been outlined. You mentioned several of them, but there is that component of you know, your own selling style and how you communicate through your selling style to the prospect. Um, basically, there's a few different ways, roads or ways to get there, I feel. What interests me about your technology is I feel that it is an objective filter on these sales conversations. It's kind of removing some of the bias from sales managers, not negative bias, just implicit bias from sales managers and not necessarily taking that their perspective or their critiques away, but I feel like it brings in more objectivity to the table and helps them kind of augment the advice they give and actually has this kind of like synergistic effect and helps them become better managers, helps them give better advice, helps the sales rep get some more objective info, not just like, man, you know, the boss is really right to me, but actually getting some more data coming in to support kind of what they're saying. You know what I mean? I feel like your your technology is doing that. Yeah. I mean it's really interesting in what you're saying. And you're right. Most managers find themselves in a managerial position because they're good salespeople. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're a good manager. It doesn't right. mean they're a good coach. They're totally different skill sets. So, I, you know, as you said at the start, I spent about 50% of my time speaking with, well, I spent 100% of my time speaking with sales managers, 50% are customers, 50% I hope to make customers. But, um, one of the things that I find the most is that people struggle to coach when they've got to give their opinion. There's loads of reasons for that. One, it's that you know uncontrollable bias. They, they, and the other is they struggle to impose that opinion. And, and people sometimes struggle to take that as well, that opinion, because they feel maybe that's not an accurate reflection. Um, what our platform does, is, as you alluded to there, is it takes a, a recorded call. I mean, let's imagine I've recalled you, Morgan, and we've had a 30-minute discovery call. At the end of that call, if it contained certain keywords, now those keywords can be customized for a business, but let's say that what would be important to my business would be we're mentioning revenue, we're mentioning a contract and an agreement, and we're mentioning start next week. If that was important to my manager, you know, and it sounds like that's being discussed, that would be important, that call can be dropped into their inbox Mm. but from there if that was a 30 minute call what what would tend to happen is that takes 30 minutes to review it um with refract first of all we remove the opinion and we show what has happened so you can immediately see the talk versus listening time the level of engagement 
how many questions the, the rep has asked and, and where they're occurring, those questions, what keywords and phrases are being mentioned, speed and pace, et cetera. So that gives real data-driven insight into a conversation. And it also automatically highlight for you where the likely coachable moments are, what parts of this call you should really invest some time listening to and enable you to give feedback. One story springs to mind, actually, that that I will share with you. I went to see a client. We were looking at one of the calls from from their team. And the talk versus listening time was something like 75%, something like that. And I said, well, that that seems pretty high. And the manager said to me, well, this is just classic. He always speaks far too much compared to his customer. And I said, well, let's see if that's true. Let's aggregate the data over his last 100 calls. And we did that in a couple of seconds, and we saw that his average talk versus listening time was actually around the 50, 52% mark. You could see the face of the manager as he realized that his opinion was just that. It was his opinion, and it was wrong. And he wrongly felt that his, his rep spoke far more often than his prospect, and, and that data helped remove that opinion. Mm, that's huge because that opinion can – does most likely affect how that manager manages and coaches that person, right? So that's huge. Well, yeah. I mean, look, talk versus listening time is just one aspect of what we report on, but it's not crazy to say that that could stop someone getting a promotion. You know, they are, they, yeah. they don't talk about certain products. They interrupt too much. They talk too much. They don't ask enough questions. And, and we put all that in the palm of your hand. So you can really see, one, what individuals doing, but actually start to map out what does good look like? What do our top performers do differently, mm. specifically w- within their sales conversations? And once you crack that, more, once you work out how to have a good sales conversation, that's when it makes sense to start investing in all the other technology that's going to help amplify yeah. and accelerate results. Yeah, that your core is really your people. Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I want to spend some time talking about, you mentioned some interesting things you're doing in a previous conversation about cold calling and prospecting days and kind of what you're doing to kind of ignite your sales floor. And I'd like to touch on that. Can you talk some more about that? Yeah, I'd love to. So I'm really passionate about cold calling. Um, i do not believe that there's a more effective way to fill up your pipeline with relevant prospects. Um, I absolutely, absolutely. Appreciate, I absolutely appreciate and use every channel. I like to write content on LinkedIn. Uh, I like to send customized emails, but cold calling is, is one thing that I don't think will ever be lost in, in this world. And there's a lot of noise about cold calling being dead. And I say to that, good, because that means people mm-hmm. aren't calling my ideal customer. So I am and, and everyone listening to this should be. But there's so much that, that people do wrong with the cold call, all the way up from the preparation to what they say and do on that conversation. So, yeah, I'd love to share a little bit about this. So our platform has had hundreds of thousands of cold calls made through the system. And looking at that data, I, I can give some insight, but Just to start off, I mean, before you make the cold call, there's a few tips here that I'd like to give to any sales reps listening to this. And they may seem obvious, but hear me out. So the first one is research. 
you know, and there's no excuse in this day and age for not doing that. And, and I don't mean just job title. I mean, really looking at your prospects, looking at the industry they're in, what challenges they're likely to face, what language they may use and the way they describe their role, and ultimately know what's happening in their world. And that, using that language and that being able to be relevant really helps. Um, the next thing, and, and this is arguably the biggest point, is sales reps LinkedIn profiles. Um, I don't know about you, Morgan, but most times that I land on a sales rep's LinkedIn profile, my toes curl. And the reason for that is it's them talking about how successful they are, how they are strong negotiators, how they crush um, quotas. Nobody wants to buy from that person. Nobody wants to engage with that person. Your LinkedIn profile is likely to be looked at. Um, What you need to do is use your LinkedIn profile as an advert and talk all about the problems that you solve for your ideal customer and why they should be taking your call. Um, so LinkedIn profile is, is a massive missed opportunity for sales reps. The next thing is recording calls. I record every single one of my sales conversations. Um, if I don't record my call, I'm making notes and I've got really bad handwriting. And secondly, I'm not actively listening because I'm doing two jobs and I'm not very good at that. Um, I record all my calls. And if I set up a next step, I'll listen back to that call to prepare. And if I fail, I will share that call either internally with a, with a boss or I'll review it myself and, and try and improve. And then the final tip just before we pick up that phone is setting time aside for prospecting. Um, this is probably the thing I'm weakest at the most because things do constantly land in your calendar. But I try and set aside 90 minute blocks every day and treat that as a meeting. You know, it can't be moved. It's therefore my time to prospect and, and keep topping up that funnel. So that's in the calendar and, and people will respect that as well when looking to book meetings with me. In terms of moving on, the cold call. So sort of, I feel like I've perfected the way I open a cold call. And, and in the last couple of years, it's never really let me down. I'll tell you what I say. So imagine you, you've answered the phone, Morgan. I would say to you, um, Morgan, good morning. It's Mark Akers calling from Refract. We've not spoken before, but can I take 35 seconds to explain why I've chosen to call you today? Now, I'll explain why that works, but Morgan, I'm keen to get your feedback. How would you respond to a cold call like that? Well, I mean, me personally, 35 seconds, not a big commitment. I'll say, sure. What do you got? And if I'm honest, that is what happens all the time. It it genuinely has never let me down. I mean, people have said no, but then I go on to have five-minute conversations. Yeah. yeah. um, (laughs) So I'll tell you why it works. It's a bit of a pattern interrupt as well. You know, it's interesting you picked up on the 35 seconds. So, I mean, the first thing, when, when you make a cold call, you need to be comfortable knowing that you are an interruption. Nobody is sat there waiting for the phone to ring. Uh, and when it does ring and they answer it and you know, they pick up that it's Mark Akers calling from Refract, ultimately there's a few questions running through that prospect's mind before you've even uttered your first word because they've seen a number they don't know. So they're thinking, who are you? Where are you calling from? And what do you want? So if you know that, then we should embrace it. We should own it and, and control it. So breaking my opening up here, I say, hi, it's Mark Akers. So they know who I am. I'm calling from Refract. They know where I'm calling from. And then I say, we've not spoken before. Now that I find just puts people's minds at ease. They're not racking their brains trying to work out, should I know who Mark is? Should I know who the friend is? But then the next key bit here, and you you picked up on it, is can I take 35 seconds? Now, 
I hear a lot of salespeople say, have you got a minute? Have you got five minutes? And they get a lot of no's because that sounds a bit gimmicky. Um, yeah. 35 seconds, tell me if you feel this is fair, but in my experience, it sounds like a calculated amount of time. It right. sounds like that is how long this is going to take. And that is backed up with the following to explain why I've chosen to call you. Humans are curious and yeah. feel like you've been chosen. It's really hard to say no to that. Right. Um, so that's how I open my cold call. And people like you say, sure, show me what you've got. Now, this is where sales reps go on to make probably the biggest mistake because when they hear what have you got, they hear an invite to deliver um, a presentation, a pitch about what they do, why their company is amazing, who they work with, and it's just the wrong thing. What you need to do is see that as an opportunity to just tell a short story, a story that if you've done your research will resonate with them and it will propose a problem, and you can then ask them a closed question. And people say closed questions are bad. They're not. You lead with a closed question. You ask, given the story I've just shared with you and the problem that people similar to you are, are facing, does that resonate with you at all? And if it mm-hmm. resonates with them, which it should if, you do, if you've done your research, you can then go to ask your open questions. If it doesn't resonate with them, there's likely to not be a fit here. So you, you tell that story, and that story should only be 20 seconds or so, and, and you talk about a problem that you solve, and you ask them, does that problem resonate with you? If they say yes, that's when you start to open your question, your open questions. Can you tell me more about that problem? How are you dealing with that problem? What impact is it having on you? And do you want to fix it? And then at this point, some sales reps will try and go into discovery. Don't remember you're an interruption remember Mm -hmm. they were they was doing something before you called so just start to realize the goal and that goal is to book an appointment book a demo however that works for you what you need to do now is act like a doctor and what a doctor does the doctor patient relationship is a doctor will ask what symptoms you have they will then repeat those symptoms back to you and then they'll be an expert and they'll tell you what's going to happen next and they subscribe that medicine. But what we, what we do as sales reps is we say, look, you've told me there's a problem. you told me you want to fix it. I've shared with you a story of how we've helped. What I'd like to suggest is we set aside a time for, be that a discovery call, be that a demo, have you got your calendar open? And that is how cold calling works. And it works really well because you are booked an appointment with an ideal prospect, you know what problem they have. And because you've asked a couple of questions, you know that they want to fix it or how it's impacting them. And you can go on to your next part of your sales process. I love what, that. Yeah. What do you love about it? About the cold call yeah, uh, what, outline? So I'm a big proponent of um, in any form of sales, but we'll just kind of go back to the written word because that's where it kind of came from. Uh, the ADA formula in copywriting, right? Attention, interest, desire, action. I know that that selling successfully, there are indirect selling. There are elements. Those elements need to be present. And on the phone, if you can hit on those pieces and move people down through different micro conversions very elegantly in a non-pressure, non-salesy way, 
that will be like a greased slide all the way to a conversion, which in this case is getting more time from someone, right? So you kind of elegantly take them through each piece and just kind of guide them through, not pushing them, right? You mentioned that, hey, if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. But otherwise, you're kind of gently showing them the next door, opening the next door for them, and then they get to choose whether or not to walk through it. Yeah, exactly. And once you agree what's going to happen next, there's another key bit here that I see a lot of salespeople dropping the ball on, and that's the calendar invite. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience of this is, Morgan, but I see a lot of sales reps just send a calendar invite and that's it. And it's generic. It would be login details to a WebEx or it'd just be a, a telephone number or, or just a title. Um, the calendar invite is a perfect place to summarize why they should be taking that call. Because typically you book a call within the next couple of weeks, or I certainly do, or I start a challenge if it, if it is relevant to them, if they say, yeah, call me in six weeks' time. So we book a call within the next two weeks, but you have to appreciate that they've only spoke to you for maybe four or five minutes. So in that calendar invite, you put in there, you've agreed to speak at this time, and this is what you're going to be talking about, and remind them of the problem that they've told you, and remind them of how you're going to talk to them about how you're going to fix it, and leave that in the calendar invite. And that massively changes how many people turn up to the mm, next I like that. Yeah, and then back that up with an email 24 hours beforehand, just saying, we've got this call in tomorrow, and give them the option, give them the PS, if this time no longer suits you, I get it. Just let me know a more suitable time and date. And again, people can't, they come back to you and they let you know a more suitable time and date. And again, that drastically reduces the amount of no-shows, which again is a real frustration for people in sales. But the reality is, is because they've not done it right. They've not reminded that prospect why they need to be having that call. I love that. That's unused real estate, that um, a calendar invite. I have never thought about that, but that is an excellent place to kind of reinforce why they should join the call. And we've all had people who have no-showed and, and, you know, have dropped off the face of the earth, it seems like. But if you can kind of do that last little piece and increase your show up rate for calls it's definitely worth it um absolutely i I love that phrase unused real estate i've I've never thought that it's a great phrase but um just genuinely an untapped resource about a year ago a colleague of mine was was frustrated because people weren't turning up for the meeting she put on and i just looked at the calendar invites and they were all just generic zoom links and i just said to her you know look you should be putting in here pretty much what I just said. And honestly, it went from 80% no-show to 20% no-show, you know, real, real shift. Awesome. I love it. Can you talk about what the second part of this kind of piece or segment was those prospecting days? So I want to know about those that you're running and, and kind of, um, do you have, is it contests? Is it, how does it typically work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I love prospecting days. Um, one of the things I've noticed in my career, so I've worked for a few different companies, as I, as I explained, is, and again, you know, speaking to people at events, um, sales floors are dead. They're, they're quiet these days. Yep. Phones have cobwebs. People love to hide behind their crafty little emails. Um, I mean, the reality is people are bored of getting emails landing in their inbox and follow-up email after follow-up email. They can smell it a mile off now that it's a sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, back to, you know, me saying about how cold calling works. Um, we decided at Refract that about two years ago that we wanted to really bring the energy and bring the noise back to the sales floor. 
So we created something called Prospecting Day. It takes place once a month. And what we do is we clear the calendars and everybody gets involved. And I'm talking the CEO all the way down to our SDR. So everybody that could potentially pick up the phone that day gets involved. Um, don't get me wrong, Morgan, I'm, I'm not saying we unleash the developers, um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that, you know, our whole sales team get involved. And what we do is someone takes charge of it. So I've been in charge of, I think, three or four prospecting days, but we rotate around. And ultimately, it is everybody's in the same boat that day, making cold calls from the first thing to the last thing. And we split that day up into segments. So we have rounds. Um, a typical day would be we all get in a little bit earlier. We get in maybe half hour earlier. And whoever's organizing it brings in some, some posh coffee shop coffees and maybe bacon rolls if we're lucky. And we talk about what the day is going to be like. And it typically would be four or five rounds for an hour to an hour and a half each. And we play games. So we'll play battleships. We'll play play your cards right. We'll play all sorts of hangman. We'll play um, where you, uh, snap where you've got to find two cards the same. There's loads of games in which we've played. And sometimes we do a theme across the day. Like we've had Christmas. Uh, we've done the World Cup. We've done... Um, Game of Thrones, which we cleverly called Game of Phones the other day. <laughs> Someone pointed out we should have just gone with Lord of the Rings. We wouldn't have to have changed anything. <laughs> so each round has its own unique game, and that game has a prize. And typically, all the games are engineered around three things. One is you speak with somebody. I mean, they've got to be an ideal prospect. It doesn't include someone on reception. But if you can speak with an ideal customer, you get a point. Or if it's battleships, you get to fire a shot something like that fire a missile um if you get a referral um you get two points and if you book a meeting you get three points and we basically gamify those points into whatever game we're playing and for that hour or that hour and a half we all play that game together as a team Uh, i mean we even play the roulette wheel as well and have a bit of a casino going on with some games at the end of the round, you win a prize. And those prizes really vary from bottles of Prosecco or gin to Amazon gift vouchers um, to an hour early finish. And ultimately, that is a way to get everybody in short bursts picking up the phone. And one thing I notice is those that are slightly shy find it a hell of a lot easier to pick up the phone when everybody else is making noise. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, whoever's booked the most meetings wins the big prize. And, and, and that can be, as I say, anything up to, let's say, an Amazon voucher or, or half a day early finish. And come the end of the day, you are exhausted. You've made 100, maybe 150 dials. But, you know, we typically book four or five, maybe six, seven meetings sometimes each. Um, wow. The pipeline feels incredibly full. All of a sudden, the sales boards lit up across the team. and. We've had such a laugh because when you're all doing something, you're a bit braver. You try new sales techniques on the cold call. You handle objections a little bit firmer. And it really is just good fun. You know, if someone makes a mistake or they speak to the wrong person, we all have a laugh about it. And and ultimately, we all want to win together. And we do. And at the end of the day, we tend to go out for a couple of glasses of, uh, of wine or couple of beers whatever whatever they fancy but uh, yeah it's real good sales um uh, teamwork and bonding 
but it also just fires up that sales board for everybody and it they're fantastic you know they, they take a little bit of organization of prospecting day um my key tips to making it successful is you've got to clear the calendars you can't have anyone nipping yeah. up for a discovery call you've got to have rounds you've got to have prizes but the data's key so we actually you know we make sure before anyone gets in we've all got enough data and that's carefully selected relevant data and, we, and you know we attack the day and it's brilliant how often do you do that or do once, the prospecting days once a month i think okay. we'd like to do more but the reality is we do put a lot of organization into them so um yeah. you know, people prospect all the time at refract but that once a day where we all come together is yeah once a month is it like on the same day every month or is it move around it typically moves around because of people's calendars. We're always trying to find like a, a time and date that works. And, you know, we're conscious like American holidays, school holidays, et cetera. Yeah. We, we try and do it where we feel could be the, the optimum time. And and because we're based in the UK, we do the UK in the morning. We do the East Coast in the afternoon as well. I'm sure this has an effect just even outside of the days on other days of the month. That energy, I'm sure, still permeates, right, and kind of helps is the tide that lifts all the ships, even when you're not on a prospecting day. Oh, yeah, it does from a professional, professional and personal. We still laugh about some of the things that happened on the last prospecting day. Um, we still got some of the prizes flying around the office. Like today, there was a little bit of a lull. I cracked out the chocolate truffles that I won from, from last week. And, you know, it, it does, it, it permeates across the, the, the month. And, you know, the next one's already in the calendar. I think this is something I think is really important, especially in this era of sales, because the open office format, right? I think it in a lot of organizations can inhibit reps getting on the phone because they don't want to sound stupid in front of their friends or coworkers, right? With like you said, making a mistake, nobody's on the phone. Oh, I don't really want to call. People are going to hear me. I'm not going to be perfect. You know, people get self-conscious about it. But when there's a culture of hitting the phones hard so much that you have a day every month where people are doing nothing but on the phone. If you're in an organization like that and like yours, that kind of self-consciousness, I mean, we all have it a little bit, but it's like you're counteracting that with bringing the whole group up. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things with SDRs is they're millennials or I don't even know what they're called now. Generation Z, Generation X, but they're cool. But these guys that enter the workplace don't make phone calls. They text, they Instagram, they Snapchat, whatever they use. And to come into an office where, particularly in, in startup companies, you know, you're in earshot of the CEO, you're in earshot of the head of sales, and, and people that have been in sales for four or five years, that can be daunting. But the reality is, everybody makes stinky phone calls and, yeah. and muck up. And it's just about having that grit and determination to, to go again. And and when everybody's in that boat for that day, nobody's safe. Uh, everyone is capable of, of being laughed at at one point and then being clapped the next point because they pick up the phone, then book a meeting and, and win a prize. And I've written a blog on it actually on our website on how to create your own prospecting day. Um, more than people want to check that out on refract.ai under the blog. Um, but I would highly encourage everybody to do one. The only reason people would have an excuse is because it takes a little bit of organization, but there's nothing more important than, than getting the pipeline topped up, right? So that organization's worth it. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually making a note right now. I'll put that link in the show notes for people. 
Sure. Funny um, enough, in, um, I was going to say in that blog post, sorry, no, there's a link to, to a speech I made actually around how to make a successful cold call as well. So that sort of hits two birds. Perfect. Making a note on that. All right. I love that. Actionable info that people can apply. I love it. That's actually a good segue here into um, as we're running up against uh, the end of our time here. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you to talk about, you know, prospecting days, cold calls, coaching, yeah. to refract? Yeah. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Mark with a K, M-A-R-K, Acres, A-C-K-E-R-S, at refract, R-E-F-R-A-C-T. Uh, or drop me an email, and it's mark at refract.ai. I'll, I'll be happy to speak to anybody. Awesome. Well, Mark, I uh, had a pleasure having you on today. Some really, really great insights. I think that that cold call piece could be a, an episode all in itself. So really appreciate to have you on and share this information with the audience. My pleasure, Morgan. Anytime. All right. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.